Hey ladies, welcome to Yes and Amen, where we talk about growing in our faith with biblical truths, real life testimonies, and meditating on God's word. Now I'm your host, Priscilla's Pearl Dominguez. Let's get it. Hey ladies, welcome to another episode of Yes and Amen. Today, I'm always excited. Y'all, I know I always start every episode, I'm like, I'm so excited. No, I really am always excited. But I am excited, especially for today, um, because I have more than one guest. <laughs> we usually just have one guest or I'm sharing. Um, so I'm so excited because today we have two guests, um, who is Ali P and Faith Cho. So I'm excited to share about their bio. Um, and just let you know, today's conversation is going to be about mar- motherhood, mental health around motherhood, uh, what it looks like to manage and maintain yourself in that journey. We're going to touch on miscarriage as well. Um, Ali is going to share a little bit about her uh, miscarriage, postpartum depression, um, and just several different different things, right? What the Bible says about motherhood. And so we're going to definitely just touch on a, a lot of different things when it comes to motherhood, especially from the perspective of these two women who are already moms. Uh, and I'll share, you know, some of my experiences even being pregnant now. And so let me welcome and talk about their bio. So Allie, uh, Allie P is a wife. She is a mother, a lawyer, and general chaos coordinator for several family businesses. She lives in Maryland with her husband, Kit, and their three children, Finn, Leo, and Luna. She is a partner attorney at Antietam Law Group and the COO of the Miniature Painting Shop. She serves on several local boards, including the business management team at her church, and she is also a holy yoga instructor. In her free time, she enjoys running, yoga, and reading. She has a passion for encouraging and speaking life into other mamas and supporting women in leadership roles. Yes, and and actually, Allie and I have known each other for a few years. We both did the same holy yoga um, instruction training a few years ago, and we got to know each other. We were roommates in that time, and we've stayed connected since then. So I'm really excited for y'all to hear more about her and her story. And then our other, our other guest, y'all already know, she was a speaker at our Sow the Seed Summit just a few months ago, Faith Yuri Cho. Faith has been in ministry since she was 19 years old and continues to have a burning passion to serve as a voice to the voiceless. Currently, she is a pastor, a pastor's wife a CEO of a nonprofit organization called the Honor Summit and church planner. In addition, she is a writer, a missionary, and an itinerant speaker. Faith is the founder of Honor Summit, a nonprofit organization that is driven to refresh and empower Christian women all around the world. Alongside her husband, Pastor David Cho, she is also the co-pastor of the Mosaic Covenant Church, which is a new plant church in New Jersey. Also check that out um, if you're in New Jersey. Her most precious role, however, is being a mom to her four children, Moriah, I'm going to say it in Spanish, Elias, but it's Elias, River, and Adeline. So welcome, welcome to our amazing speakers for today, where we're going to get to engage in um, some just really important topic. And so today's first question is all about what is your favorite thing about motherhood and why? We're going to start off with the positive, what we love about it. So tell us, what is your favorite thing about motherhood and why? So I feel like you started with like the hardest question. Like, how can you narrow it down? Because it's so amazing and there's so many different aspects to motherhood. But for me, I really gave this question a lot of thought since you prepared us. (laughs) And I think my favorite thing about motherhood is just creating this group of people who belong together. Like we truly enjoy each other's company 
we love spending time together. My children and my husband are my favorite people to be with. And we kind of create our own party wherever we go. So I just love that. I love that. Thank you. So good. And for me, um, it has definitely added dimension to my life. As in before I was a mother, I was just a minister. And I mean, my life was all about work. So when I had children, you realize, my goodness, being fruitful in the eyes of the world isn't just it. It's that being successful isn't just it. All of a sudden, there are different dimensions of joy, of depth, of intimacy. It really did add color into my life and my day-to-day and a lot more depth into my faith and my faith journey. It's not just, oh, save the world and minister to people. And save. it's not just um, be successful at what you do, but it's now also about raising these little lives. And um, yeah, I think it's one of the best things that have ever happened to me. Love it. Love it. Thank you. And this is actually not a question. I just came up with this question. Sorry, y'all, that I did not pre-prepare you for this. But um, you both have not one, right? Like you have several children. Um, so Ali, you have three, Faith, you have four. Uh, and so I think, you know, that's thinking about that what, that, what does that look like in regards to like when you had one and now to having three or four in your life, right? Uh, and all pretty small, right? Your children are not like one's 19, one's 15, one's 10, one's five. They're all um, pretty still small children. So what has been the biggest difference in having one or two to having three or four? <laughs> I think for me, it's a lot easier. That's my personal opinion, but I say this to moms all the time. I believe three and four is easier than one and two because by the time you hit three, you create a group and they kind of run as a pack. Whereas when there's one and two, a lot of the attention that's required is all allotted to the parents. And so in a way, they're a lot needier towards you. But once you start having this group mentality with the kids. I personally think it's much easier. I'd rather do um, zone defense than man on man, you know? Um, And so that's, I mean, that's my experience. Yeah, I actually totally agree. I remember being just, and I'm sorry, Pri. (laughs) I remember being really shell-shocked when I came home from the hospital with one baby, my first baby, and I was like, I... I don't know what I'm doing. And it just, it felt really hard because your life completely changes and you go from everything being about yourself, your job, maybe your husband, hopefully, (laughs) but it's very self-centered. And then you bring another person in and it just completely changes your world. But by the time you have two and three, four, it's, you know, you're used to that. You're used to all of your energy going to other people. And also, you know, by the third one, I'm like, well, I already know what I'm doing. So like, it's not scary if I have to change a diaper in the middle of the night or, you know, you, you just kind of have developed those like intuitive muscles. So you know what you're doing a little bit more. So you just have confidence, I think. I did not expect those answers. I love it. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I mean, you know, obviously I'm not there yet. I'm about to pop out one. Um, and so I just, I don't know. I, I thought whenever I see people with like a lot of children, I'm like, whoa, that looks hard. <laughs> 
and and I mean, I, there's different hearts, right? Like there's different levels of hard and difficulty in, in all, I'm sure in one to even having seven children, like it's all different forms of it. Um, but that that's encouraging. I'm gonna go to my husband because, you know, <laughs> I've been telling him I want three and he's like two. And I'm like, well, Faith and I said. <laughs> yeah, so no, that's, that's actually really um, good. I think, um, especially being a pregnant woman, I think, yeah, just the idea of several is, it's mm-hmm. kind of a little intimidating. So that really brings like a lot of peace and ease um, to, yeah, to like what to expect, right? And, and I think too, like when I mentioned earlier, like the age, cause you guys have children that are also close to age. Um, me and my brothers are all four apart, four years apart, right? So I have a brother eight years older than me uh, and then four years older than me. And so we were all in very different, different stages of life. Uh, while we were growing up and I mean you know we're like best friends now but we all just were different like I was starting high school my brother was starting college when my other brother was like starting life and adulthood so just very different places and then in childhood you know my oldest brother was always our babysitter (laughs) Um, and he kind of like felt like he had to protect us instead of being like a kid so I think closeness of age too can be like a blessing as well Um, because yeah and just thinking about us we were just like very far apart and there's people I know that have like a sibling that's like 10 years older than them <laughs> so I can imagine like all those differences that what what that makes as well yeah. um so in thinking about faith right this is a podcast where we talk about faith growing tools and our faith right and how the bible helps shape our life right there are a lot of resources out there a lot of tools out there but the bible and Jesus helps us shape our life and so how has your faith shaped or helped you with your role as a mother I'll go. So uh, for me, it really allowed me to see the redemptive value in what I'm doing, because when you're in it, it's so easy to get depressed and hopeless because especially if you're coming from a working independent woman situation and all of a sudden you are a milk factory changing diapers through the night all of a sudden your schedule is now tied to a nap schedule and a feeding schedule. And it's really demoralizing for the first couple of months, unless you get to the point where you're used to it. But then my faith allowed me to see what God is doing through this, what God is going to do through this um, for my ministry, for the world, for my life, for their life. I mean, when Moses's mother looked at her baby, she, she, she had faith and that ounce of faith that she had while looking at her baby changed the world. And, you know, in that moment you could have easily said, well, that wasn't like a big deal. Uh, She could have allowed that baby to be thrown away like the other baby boys in her time. Um, But that ounce of faith that she had as she looked at her child had such redemptive implications. And with my children, for me, it was so easy for me to downplay everything. Like it's just a nap, it's just a feeding. But when I am in conversation with God, he reminds me, no, this, this is what this child means to me. This is what I'm gonna do through this child. This is what I'm doing in you. And he's always walking me through that, the redemptive factor in motherhood. So good. So for me, I feel like 
God has been just such a good and loving parent to me that it's just such an incredible model for me of what I can be to my children. And as I spend more and more time with him, I grow to be more and more like him. Um, just like hopefully my children will grow to be more and more like him because they're going to get it through me. And so, you know, I can think about when my three-year-old is asking me for a snack for the millionth time, I can snap at him. <laughs> but how many times do I go to God and ask him for the same thing over and over and over? And I want to be able to respond to my children the way that he responds to me because he doesn't snap at me. And he's so patient and loving and gentle with me. And so just to have that model has been so beautiful for me because I just feel like it's going to leave a legacy for my children because I'm hoping that they will see that and that they'll become more like him also. And on and on and on it goes. Amen. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I've been like... Um thinking like in in being pregnant I'm just like wow my son just like trusts me mm-hmm. he's just in there and he trusts that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing right um and then I see you know kids and, and their parents and for the most part it's the same thing right like they just trust um their parent and it's such a beautiful thing that like our faith can be the shaper of um you know how we function as as people, but definitely as mothers, and realizing um, that it's such a it's such a profound example, right? We think of like marriage, the example of like the body of Christ with Jesus, and then it's like in in parenthood, it's the example of God the Father and and us as His children. And so it's such a beautiful thing that we can run to it, that we can run to these answers, run to God, run to His Word for example, um, for beautiful examples like you mentioned, faith, um, uh, you know, from Moses's mom. Um, and just all throughout the Bible in stories, right? Like the prodigal son, there's just so many stories about parenthood and children um, that like can encourage us. But then in just general, knowing the story of God (laughs) and us as his children and being adopted to his, um, into like his divinity, into his love is is also a thing that we get to run to uh, in those hardest of moments. Cause I know y'all not mentioning those really hard moments yet, right? (laughs) But they they are real and they exist um, just like in in regular life as well as in parenthood. Uh, And so I'm thinking about those difficult moments, you know, like I shared earlier, Mother's Day and thinking about motherhood um, can look a lot of different ways as a beautiful gift. Uh, I, you know, I consider like, I, you know, women who are, ra- there are re- women raising kids who they didn't birth and maybe not, na- didn't even adopt, right? Like aunties and community people and um, spiritual mothers and all the things. Um, and then there's just people also who uh, have had, you know, have had difficulties with pregnancy, um, and especially in regards to uh, miscarriage. And I know for me, like that was a huge fear in the first uh, few months because it was everywhere. I was like trying to Google stuff. And this anything I Googled or tried to look up, the word miscarriage would come up. And I'm like, whoa, like this world is full of, um, you know, fear around this, but also like it is a real thing, but it just was so much, right? And, and it, I think, 
yeah, it was a lot. So I was like, I, I didn't even experience it. So I can imagine someone who does experience it, what that can be like. Um, and Ali, I know that's that's part of your story and part of your example. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to hear what, it, you know, I know that it would minister to women who have gone through the same thing, that what was your experience like with your miscarriage, um, what you felt that got you through it? And what do you feel about it now in comparison to obviously not experiencing it right now? Yeah, so I actually have six babies because I have my three living children and I have three babies in heaven. So my first pregnancy, um, I miscarried that baby. Um, I immediately got pregnant with my oldest son um, and had a healthy pregnancy with him. I had my middle son. And then in 2019, I had a second miscarriage. And then I have a one-year-old daughter who was a twin. So we lost her twin in the first trimester. Um, she just turned one. So we had a lot of celebration, but also that day was definitely a little bit marked by just the feeling of what if. Um, and so I think that's definitely one of the experiences with miscarriage that you're never going to um, be able to probably let go of it's, it's really hard to let go of that. What if, what if, what would, what would my life be like if I had those babies here? Um, when I had my very first miscarriage, it was very isolating. Um, because you know, it's not something that you're really supposed to talk about. I do feel like in the past few years, it's gotten a little bit better. And I'm not sure if that's just my perspective because with my second and third loss, God really placed a lot of incredible people around me who were very supportive, people who had experience with loss. And I think it's hard to go through loss and be grieving when you're around people who don't know what that looks like and maybe are not the most informed about the grieving process. Um, but with my first miscarriage, I felt incredibly just like a failure because this is something that as a woman, like you're supposed to be able to get pregnant and have a baby. And so I felt like my body was really just letting me down. And I remember I would get up in the morning and I would go do my quiet time and I would just sit on my couch and just like sob for like an hour. And then I would, the alarm would go off and it would be time to get ready for work. And so I would just like get up and go about my day and be like, okay, my crying time is over now. Um, and I, I just didn't really have anyone to talk to about it. And I didn't really share that experience because again, we're taught that we're not really supposed to share those kinds of things. You know, when we say we don't share about pregnancies um, until it's safe to do so, there's reasons to not share about pregnancy, but if you're not sharing because it's not safe, that relates back to shame. Because that's the underlying message there is there's something to be ashamed of if you lose your baby. Like you did something wrong. It's, it's not an overt message. It's, a, it's this underlying current that you don't talk about it because it's shameful. And it, hear me, it is not. It's not. It's just the way that it is. One in four women will experience a miscarriage. That's so many. Like, why are we not talking about this more? Um, 
So with my second loss, I was very fortunate to have people who were a little bit more um, educated about grief and who educated me, which was, you know, such a blessing. Um, I had a girlfriend like literally just show up at my door after I told her, like, it was like an hour later, she showed up, she had pastries (laughs) and we just cried together. So just being able to have that support system, I think is so important. And, um, I just want to encourage anybody who does go through this. Like if you, if you want to keep it private and that feels right to you, then by all means, you should be allowed to do that. But if you're keeping it private because you feel like you're not supposed to, like there's no shame. You're not alone. You're not the only person that's gone through this. You're not the only person that will go through this. And it can be so comforting to just know that somebody else has been there. And um, for me, I think the very, very hardest part for all of my losses is the sensation that I had a miscarriage and uh, you maybe get like, like you get a day or two to be sad about it. And then the world expects you to just go right about your business. Like you're not pregnant anymore. Just go back to work and everything's fine. And your baby didn't exist basically, but those are my babies. Those are my babies, whether they're here or they're up in heaven with Jesus. And I don't want to diminish that. Like those are lives that should be honored. Um, And so to me, it's been very um, healing to just be able to find ways that I can honor those lives. Because if we are going to believe that he formed us in our mother's wombs and that, you know, that he placed those souls there, that they're souls then we can honor them without shame or guilt and without feeling weird about it. Like, why would you feel weird about it? It's a soul. Like, that's okay. So that's kind of where I'm at right now (laughs) in a journey. Thank you so much, Allie. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm sure I blessed, you know, someone to hear that, to hear those truths. Um, I'm so grateful that you mentioned that uh, that shame, right? Like the idea of that shame that women experience, um, especially in the beginning of like, uh, I actually wondered that. I was like, why do I have to wait three months to tell people I'm pregnant? Like, I, I didn't really didn't know. And then I started talking to people like, oh, well, you know, the risks and stuff like that. I was like, oh, that's such a weird thing. <laughs> like, I, I, I still didn't really get it. Cause I'm just like, if we're going to be on, like, we're going to be out in this world, like sharing things, like that's something also you know we share um or we choose not to share right but it is in realizing like what you're saying like comes from such a place of of shame right um because it can happen in the first few months but um from my understanding it can happen up until 20 weeks right uh, that it would be considered a miscarriage after that it's like con- consider something else so it's it's just living in this place of like um fear and shame uh, and i would say like like you said like loneliness in the beginning right um and so I'm grateful, I'm so grateful also that you mentioned like people being educated around grief because people love us, you know, our families love us. It's, it's, we can receive the love, but not everyone is educated on what grief looks like, loss looks like, and what support looks like around that. Um, clearly, uh, you know, policy and 
law wise that that's not known because there is no there's like a there's bereavement days for jobs and apparently now they're passing or did pass like a three days thing where you get like three days of bereavement for miscarriage which i'm just like wow three days okay <laughs> that is interesting um i mean it's we still don't have an actual maternity uh family leave in this country so maybe that make that makes sense that's a whole other podcast <laughs> right exactly i'm just like laws let's get it together but realizing yeah that um we as a as a community right so if for people who are hearing who are women who've experienced this you know they get to be ministered through this but also acknowledging like we're if there's one in four women that this is going to happen to that means someone in our life we are going to meet that is going to go through this and we get to as the body of christ as friends as family as the neighbor um get to show up for people in a way that they really uh, will really minister to them that really helps them and so that means we get to educate ourselves around grief and around loss and what is actually helpful for people uh the bible talks about it uh you can google <laughs> tools on, on grief and loss and supporting people but i think that's such a big part of loving people and really knowing how we can serve them there because it's not an easy thing um you know lo loss as a whole um, but then just thinking about this kind of loss so yeah, thank you, Ali, for sharing. And praise God for your testimony. You know, Luna, your babies are adorable. Um, the ones in heaven and the ones here, they're all just so beautiful and adorable. So praise the Lord um, for how he has moved through your life. Yeah. Um, so faith, uh, in talking about motherhood in regards to just managing and maintaining the way I see you girl, like you just chilling. She's like, I got four kids, you know, I got a nonprofit, you know, I'm married. Um, you know, I'm out here. Got, I'm about to start a church. I already did. It. I started a church. Just like you, just just it's easy, <laughs> or it seems like it from that. From at least you know from the outside, you just you have. I mean, I could tell that the Lord is with you because you have this peace and um, how you live your life, doing all of these different things. Um, and and I know there's women listening that are in ministry and. Um, or, do, or, or, you know, church work and things like that, but then also just women who work, right, or who are entrepreneurs um, that have several kids like you um, who are also married. So would love to hear what do you do in regards to managing and maintaining your spiritual and mental health when it comes to, to all of these different things that you have in your plate? I'm not going to ask you what your work-life balance is because I'm not sure, you know, if that is even helpful or relevant for people, but really is what exactly do you do um, to maintain and, and manage all of this, especially in the areas of your spiritual mental health? Yes, what a packed question. And just for the record, Instagram is very deceiving. <laughs> Nothing's real. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, the moments are authentic what I put out there, but you know, there's a lot of texture and chaos to my life. Overall, um, I mean, I had prepartum depression twice. I had postpartum depression four times. I'm very sensitive to how my hormones are. And when my hormones are not balanced, I mean, everything gets affected. It was, it was real. It was deep. It took me almost a year the first time to really just snap out of it. Uh, I learned a lot through those seasons. And I mean, postpartum depression, it's, it's real y'all. It's, it's, it's not just an emotional thing. 
I remember when I first experienced it, my husband walked into my room. I was rocking with my infant child in the dark. And, and I was like crying saying, I don't know why I'm alive. And my husband's like, Oh my, in Jesus name, like, is there a demon here? Like, is there, you know, he's like, Oh my, Oh, like what is, what has happened to my happy wife? Um, and it was real. It just did. It did hit me like a train wreck. And I got a crash course of what it means to maintain your mental health from early on. And two main things that I make sure of now after four is one, I never let fear or guilt dictate my life, um, especially guilt. I think fear, it's, I mean, it's really easy to accommodate to fear because especially in the first two, simply because you just don't know. Like my baby slept for too long. Is she even alive? Like, you know, like it's just like if, if every little thing strikes fear in your heart. Um, guilt can be such a bossy thing, especially if you're a working mom. Um, so I feel like the way I navigated fear was simply through experience and the peace of God, so on and so forth. But guilt, I had to really wrangle guilt. Because mothers 100 years ago, or even just 30 years ago, do not look like what motherhood look, looks like now. It's so easy to feel guilty. Like there's some women that breastfeed for over a year. And there's some women that just go straight to bottle right away. I mean, especially now with social media, you just see what everyone's doing. And it's so easy to feel like, man, I am going to really need to pay for my child's therapy because of the way I'm doing this. And it's so easy to feel like, um, like you need to yield to guilt. I remember during my first one, when I just had the one, I would just swallow it in. Oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should, I, you know, and just constantly just feel bad, feel bad, feel bad. I should do an extra this. Oh, I shouldn't just do this. I should make sure of this. And I remember there's this one moment when she, I mean, she was a toddler at a point. And um, I think she was maybe like 14 months, 15 months. And I was picking her up from her crib and she smacked my glasses off my face. And it's just one of those, you know, when they grab you, smack, and I lost it. I, because I, I was boiling to that point. I was just drinking in all the guilt, 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 guilt. And I just exploded. I just can't take it anymore. I can't make everyone happy. I was working full time. I was also an MDiv student at that time. Um, my husband was also in ministry. I was exhausted. I was still hormonal and I lost it. My husband and my child looked at me like, oh my gosh, I, I just screamed. I cried. I ran into my room and, um, my husband, he just gently closed the door and I was like, let's just give her a moment. Took my child and man, I just felt so bad, but I realized, but you know what? I let guilt in. I let guilt be my bully for weeks on end endlessly. And I did this to myself in, in that sense. And ever since then, when fear or guilt will creep in, um, I just shut that out. 
because I don't want to be a mom driven in compulsion because that's what fear and guilt produces. Fear and guilt produces a compulsive mother. You're no longer serving your family out of compassion and love. You're serving out of compulsion. And that's when you become controlling. That's when you become nagging. That's when you become almost crazy to, to a point. You're not, you're not producing an atmosphere of joy and happiness in the home. It's just, oh my gosh, you know, make sure you're doing this. Oh my goodness. You know, um, now that my kids are older, it looks different. Oh my goodness. If I see my mom, she's going to yell at me about piano practice or, you know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, guilt and fear definitely produces a compulsive mother. And I don't want to be that. And so I, I stopped listening to that after about the second child <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, but my more practical thing that I do is I, at least once a day, I make sure to have fun at least once. And it's, I'm serious about my fun. And you know what? I might be having fun downstairs and one of my children may come down be, and my baby girls, my younger two, they have this catchphrase. They go, mommy, I want you. And you know what? It sounds so cute. It sounds so sweet. And I go, you know, baby girl, <laughs> I, I love you. And I know you want me right now, but right now is mommy's time. And you need to go back upstairs and I'll be right up when mommy is done. In the beginning of motherhood, I couldn't do that. Because when your child says, I want you, you're like, oh my goodness, have, have the blood in my veins at that point. Like take it all, right? But then you realize if I'm going to give them a happy mother, then mommy needs to have fun at least once a day. And if they interrupt that, I go, I love you. I'm going to be back upstairs in an hour but you need to give mommy this time. And I make sure at least once a day I have fun. And that helps me reset and detox my emotions, my mind so that I could be stronger going into everything else. Yes. I love that. I absolutely love that. Uh, I think it's so important. Like, yeah, what you were sharing, um, especially, I mean, that in itself, you're teaching children boundaries, <laughs> which is so important because I think that's a you know huge issue with people nowadays not necessarily knowing boundaries so like teaching them from young um what you know what boundaries looks like but then also uh you know just acknowledging that you can't run on empty right like your fun I'm sure is a time where also you're getting you're getting filled up um and so it really like re recognizing that that we really can run and that pertains to anything in life. We can't run on empty in work. We can't run on empty in marriage. We can't run on empty um, in parenthood, right? So it really being intentional with what that looks like. Um, and I mean, maybe for some people it's like a whole day once a week, right? Or like you, like for you, like a few, uh, an hour or something like that um, each day, but really being um, intentional about that. I, I think that also requires communication, right? Like I'm sure maybe like you're communicating with your husband, like I'm gonna be downstairs kind of thing, like really involving people um, in, in your home and your life to help like cultivate that and make sure it happens. Um, because yeah, then it probably, you know, wouldn't necessarily happen. Um, and so I think, yeah, I'm so grateful that you shared about that. And then the guilt part, oh, social media, like <laughs> just all the things, right. All the things, all the ideas, all the sharing, um, and projecting sometimes. Uh, and I mean, it's also like our responsibility to take it in, um, with, you know, 
kind of with a filter, right? <laughs> to it, social media is full of filters. Take it in with a filter of really acknowledging that, like, um, it's a place where people are just sharing different things, and people do sometimes share really honestly. But um, you know, we at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit gets to guide us in our decisions, and not people's posts and their stories. Uh, and so, <laughs> realizing that that being guided by that can lead to fear. Um, and guilt. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And and also normalizing, you know, postpartum depression, I think, especially amongst Christians, the D word, like, you know, it's just so we don't have, we're not depressed or prayed away, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's a real, it's real things. It's real things that people experience. This month is mental health awareness month, right? So uh, realizing that it's such an important thing um, to maintain, uh, to bring to the Lord, but also be intentional with like, what are practical ways I can, what are practical things I can do um, to really like address this, right? Or, or work on this, or to just make sure that I'm maintaining my sanity, because it's a lot. <laughs> I'm sure it's a lot. Um, so thank you for sharing that, y'all. Ask in closing, I would love to hear what would you um, share as an encouragement to moms now. So if a, mo a new mom came to you, or a mom who's been in it for a few years came to you right now and asked you uh, for some advice, especially considering the pandemic, right? Like people are gonna listen to this right now in the middle of the pandemic. We still might be in a pandemic months and a year from now. So really acknowledging that it's still uh, relevant, right? And so what would you say um, an encouragement or scripture or thing for a, a mom to do is to just like, yeah, continue to maintain um, her herself, right? And be able to serve her kids and show up in this world well. I would say um, behind every movement in biblical history, there was a mother that believed Look at Hannah with Samuel, um, Mary, the mother of Moses. There's, I mean, obviously I can't encapsulate every movement known to mankind. However, there is a biblical trend behind a movement as a mother. And so it's so easy to feel like your days are meaningless, especially in the early days of motherhood. And in the later days, I mean, I'm, I'm not in the later days, but I'm kind of like in that intermediate days, I feel, uh, where I'm a chauffeur now. I'm a glorified chauffeur. Um, I am an extracurricular activities monitor. <laughs> I, um, and I'm a conversation monitor over the dinner table. But you know what? In those days, although it may feel like you're not getting stuff done, like your job or perhaps your ministry or what you feel like is your other life calling, um, you're changing the world. And I, and I genuinely mean that. I'm not saying that as like a, you know, fun catchphrase, but really, you know, I'm sure, I mean, what is the most iconic thing that Mary did? She, she got, she got pregnant and she had a baby and that's literally what she did. And yet she changed the world. You know what, when you go to seminary, you, you study Mary's Magnificat, like you, you know, like she literally changed the world by what she got pregnant and she raised a child. Um, and I think in this day and age, it's easy to think that your life is only meaningful when you are a boss lady, when you start a business, when you have a title or when you have an accomplishment, the world can recognize. But the things that God recognizes is what you are doing in your house right now. When you're folding those little clothes, 
when you are monitoring the naps in those moments, as you believe for your child, as you, as you connect with God, as you try to navigate each day with your faith in Jesus and, and in your intimacy with the spirit, you are in that moment changing the world. So that's my encouragement. Amen. Yeah. And you know, as a mother, you're just constantly pouring yourself out, just pouring, pouring, pouring constantly. And you're at times, possibly often, you're going to feel like dry and empty. Um, and so we have a saying, what fills spills. And so it kind of like piggy piggybacking off faith, what you were saying, you have to fill yourself with fun with time in the word, with things that are going to elevate your spiritual growth so that you can pour that out to your children. Um, just this morning, I was reading my Bible and I was reading one of the most well-known verses, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And it just was like a light bulb. It's so simple. He loved, so he gave. Mm which is just so, that just is at the heart of what you do as a mother. So instead of being like bitter that you're washing the laundry again and they didn't pick up the little socks, they left the little, you know, dirty things all over the floor and there's, you know, dishes in the sink and I constantly have to do the same chores over and over and over again. Why not flip that bitterness and just remember why you're doing it? You're doing it because you love them he loved so he gave and that's what we do as mothers we love so we give so i think so much of what we do just comes down to our own mental state and that's why it's so important to take care of your mental health and your spiritual health so that you can pour that out to your family amen y'all heard it y'all i don't got any advice but y'all heard from faith and ali <laughs> all the things in regards to motherhood um thank you so much y'all this i mean this really ministered to me and blessed me i'm you know five and a half weeks away um i mean i believe i've been i've been, I've been a mom for 34 weeks already um you know i'm just really gonna be a, a bomb mom <laughs> in a few weeks but i know this ministered yeah ministers to so many women and so many people um, and in the details below, y'all, y'all could find Faith and Ali's Instagram and all the things to follow them and um, connect with them. But thank you. Yeah, yeah. Happy Mother's Day to you, beautiful women, to all the beautiful women out there who are aunties, grandmas, neighborhood friends, neighbors, all the women who are out here doing um, motherly work for all the people in the world. Hey ladies, I hope that conversation blessed you and you're able to apply a few things that you learned into your everyday life. God is with you and we're so excited that you get to continue to grow in your faith. Make sure you check out other episodes if you haven't already and be sure to hit that subscribe button, leave us a rate and review and make sure to follow us on Instagram at yes and amen podcast. See you next time.